Hey, happy Friday, fans of the Metropolitans. How y'all doing? The weekend is here. We've all been working for the weekend. But getting through this week, we had the Metsies to get us through this week. And it was a good week up until yesterday. Chicago Cubs and uh, Kyle Hendricks gave us a taste of our own medicine. Pitching, pitching, pitching. That's how you win ball games. And for one of the few times this year, the Mets were exploited by someone who pitched better than one of our own. And had that one of our own didn't pitch well, he had another fantastic game to throw, man. But Kyle Hendricks and Freo Weavers combined on a two-hitter to send the Mets their fourth shutout loss of the season on Thursday. This one was 2-0 as the Cubs avoided a four-game sweep this week with the victory at City Field. Now, only the Pirates, with 227 runs, have played fewer than the Mets' 233 this season. Although, we have to take into consideration the Mets have played the fewest games in baseball due to all these cancellations at the beginning of the series with the Nationals and COVID and then uh, rainouts and what have you. So, we'll probably make up some ground there. But it was a tough one. All losses are tough. Mets are still playing good baseball. They just couldn't hit yesterday. And who would have bet on this, though, after facing the Padres and Cubs, two of the more elite teams in the National League, that we would have won five of those seven games. Job well done, Metropolitans. Job well done. The pitching and the defense has really come through. And now we go back on the road, and we'll see what the road brings us. Marcus Stroman spied the Cubs two runs, just three batters and five pitches into the game on Javi Baez's two-run home run. Who doesn't like Javi Baez? One exciting player. He's good for the game. But the right-hander, Stroman, rebounded the party trailing 2-0 after seven very strong innings. Yes, the pride of Long Island, Marcus, completed at least six frames for the eighth consecutive start, bumping his team-best total to 84 and a third over 14 starts. Stroman said he was a little off mechanically in the first inning. Uh... But then he really pitched very, very well. Now, Hendricks worked six innings to his ball while straight on seven to post his seventh straight win. He has been in fuego. And that's following a two and four start, so way to go, Hendricks. Uh, Hendricks is fun to watch. He's not like your prototypical starting pitcher these days that just throws hard and masters one or two pitches with high velocity and high movement. He's a man, boy. He can work the bottom of the zone, and then he tries to make you follow him further down. It's a, he's a, he's a pitcher, and he was doing that to the Mets yesterday. He pitched good against them, and they just couldn't come up with the big hits. But before they even played that game, the Mets got probably the best news of the day, or should I say encouraging news, that Jake DeGrom played catch after an MRI exam and came back normal on the right shoulder soreness he experienced during the bridge three-inning outing Wednesday night. Like I said, Stroman was tagged for a one-out single by Chris Bryant in the first inning, and then Baez followed by clobbering a two-run blast into the home run after and closer. The on-center field for his 16th home run of the season. Now, we know that's quite a shot. Baez had a strong, strong swing. Now, the Cubs reached Stroman for just two more hits through the seventh. However, a boot double the shallow left against the ship by Jock Peterson, leading off the third in a one-out single by... Uh, Jason Hayward, one inning later. He finished with eight strikeouts and retired the final 11 batters. He was really grooving. 
after Hayward reached, and then he culminated by first baseman's Pete Alonso's diving stop on Sergio Alcantara's smash to end the seventh. Now, only one Met batter, Alonso, advances for his third base, getting there on James McCann's double play ground ball, ground ball with uh, two runners aboard in the fourth, but Billy McKinney was thrown out on a tapper in front of the plate for the third out. Andrew Chafin, Ryan Tapera, and Greg Kimbrell got his 19th save, recorded the final nine outs after Hendricks departed, and the Mets just couldn't get another hit. Now, the Mets, despite having 17 consecutive batters retired from the fourth through the ninth inning, left for Friday's series in Washington with a positive outlook about their completed homestand. Strowman's came out and said, I think it reassures the strength of this group. I think we're unbelievable. And a great vibe here. Losses really don't, losses don't really affect us. And when we start getting these guys back healthy, I feel like we should really take off. And they may be taking off sooner than we hope with Brandon Nimmo, as he's now in the final stages before Met rehab assignment. Uh, he isn't expected back, back with the Mets too soon, as a few of his injured teammates are. But before Thursday's game against the Cubs, he tested his injured index finger during batting practice for the second consecutive day. Uh... The outfielder had to abort a minor league rehab assignment in mid-May due to a recurring discomfort in his finger, but he's hoping to begin another rehab assignment soon to see some game action. Uh, Nemo basically said that he's in the final stages trying to check the last boxes, which are against the pitching machine and against high contact. It's not even so much a swing as we want to test the contact. The machine helps to add a little bit more weight to the ball rather than BP, which is a little lighter. So we'll see how he progresses. Let's not forget, Nimmo's been sidelined since May 2nd already. It's not surprised that the first place Mets have withstood so many injuries over the first 10 weeks of the regular season. He said, I'm very proud of the guys, no doubt. At any point, you could hang your head and feel sorry for yourself like, oh man, too many things are going wrong. We're not supposed to win this year, whatever. And the guys have never been like that. Guys have stepped in and have really taken advantage of the opportunity. I think it's a character show for the team. And very good for us in the long run. Now, Willie Rojas said that McNeil, Jeff McNeil, is expected to join the Mets either Sunday or Monday. And Albert Amora Jr. could come back this weekend in Washington. Both played Thursday on minor league rehab assignments for Triple A Syracuse. McNeil went one for four. And Almora went two for five. Rojas also said Conforto remains behind those two teammates, but looked really good in his first game for Syracuse on Wednesday. Conforto went hitless in four trips Thursday night. Uh, Rojas said he saw Conforto's videos from Wednesday, and he looked like Michael on day one. He was attacking pitches, and this is a progression we want to see. Nimos, Rojas, Dom Smith, Francisco Endor, and others chatted with 82-year-old former Negro League player Pedro Sierra during batting practice. He was escorted by Mets Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, Donovan Mitchell Sr., the father of Utah Jazz star Donovan Mitchell. That's always good to see. Now, what was also good to see, I shouldn't even say good to see, was great to see, was uh, the Mets and Jacob deGrom. And uh, somehow he avoided another trip to the injured list following his latest physical setback, at least for the time being. The Mets were able to exhale, exhale Thursday after an MRI exam on the ground's sore shoulder came back showing a normal shoulder that a pitcher would have, manager Louis Rojas said. Now, the two-time Cy Young award winner was removed after three innings Wednesday night against the Cubs with what Mets termed right shoulder soreness. That came five days after he experienced right flexor tendonitis in his previous start June 11th against the Padres. 
The MRI exam was reviewed by med team physician David Alchek and a second opinion by Dodgers team physician Neil Athrase. Both concurred the encouraging diagnosis, according to Rojas. Uh, it just shows a normal picture that picture would have and just no concern, nothing like we believe Wednesday after it was initially seen by our trainers, Rojas said. Just our medical experts and our doctors that we trust, and that's what we got. At this point, we aren't thinking of an IL stint or to do anything. We just want to take the day-by-day -day approach. Now, Jake played catching the outfield before Thursday game, and he's been doing his in-between starts. He's going to be doing his in-between starts throwing routine. Uh, when he gets the ball next, no one's really sure. Uh, they really didn't commit as to when his next start would be. I think the Mets just want to make sure everything is fine. The trainers, the medical staff are all over it, it seems. And uh, I guess they're just going to keep asking Jake how he feels and the results and the prognosis that they have from the doctors. Uh, it seems like they're less concerned and more happy that he's throwing, playing, catch, and doing his in-between starts routine. But I think they may take the cautious side. He may not pitch Monday. I'm not sure. Uh, starting on his normal West Wednesday, after he was pulled from his previous start following six one-hit innings with right flexor tendonitis, DeGrom had thrown three perfect innings with eight strikeouts in the first face Mets 6-3 win over the Cubs. That lowered his MLB best ERA to 0.54 through 11 starts. Now, the $137.5 million race also missed two starts while on the injured list in May with tightness in his right side. You can tell that the Grom's getting a little disturbed. He's saying, this is getting old. I want to be out there as long as I can be out there. I felt really good tonight early on. That's a tough decision because I want to be out there every fifth day, but it's frustrating to come out of games like this. The Grom is batting 423 for the season. He has six more RBIs and earned runs allowed. He has fronted improved rotation that also features two others. Taiwan Walker with a 2.17 ERA, and Marcus Stroman with a 2.33 ERA entering Thursday, ranking in the top 10 in National League in ERA. Still, neither Syndergaard or Carrasco, both fellow starters, has appeared in a game this season. Now Carrasco isn't expected back sooner than late July, while team president Sandy Allison recently projected Syndergaard's target return from Tommy John surgery around September 1st. Uh, Rojas and the medical staff believe the multiple injuries DeGrom has dealt with this season are not connected, although they still haven't determined what exactly caused the shoulder soreness Wednesday since his velocity never dipped or deviated during his outing. Rojas said, I'm glad that he came to us and said what he felt. We said, okay, that's it, and he wasn't agreeing to it. He was agreeing to it, I should say. He's part of the decision. Every player is part of it. doesn't mean that he's overruling the medical experts. That's where the biggest weight is. He feels right now that this is something that he doesn't need to go on the IL for. He wants to go day by day and is taking the same approach that we want to take. Today, we don't feel like he's an IL, and he doesn't feel like an IL stint. Now, on a personal note, I'm, I was talking about Monday's start. Uh, I intend to go, and I probably it's still go because it's a doubleheader, and you don't see those too often. So I'm looking forward to that. But... And the best thing, isn't it better to have DeGrom not pitching Monday? I would think so. Uh, you don't want to get too reckless with DeGrom. He's too prized an asset. Uh, to have these two things happen in two consecutive starts, two little injury nagging problems here, whatever you want to call them, the hooky dukes. Uh, now the Mets are coming out and saying they'll take it day by day. And if you read between the lines, I think they're going to have him skip a start.
Uh, it's a long, long season. They've still got a comfortable league. No league is ever comfortable, don't get me wrong. But they have some games to play with if they wanted to. Uh, so, I don't even know if they have to place him on the I.L. They could always backdate it to the first day he didn't pitch. would be Thursday. So, they can give him some runway and wait until, I guess, like the day before Monday to see whether or not they want an arm to replace him. And then put him on the DL uh, retroactive to Thursday. Uh, I don't know. All I know is I want this to be something we don't look back on and say it was handled wrongly. I'm not a medical expert, uh, but sometimes these little injuries can get to you and lead to more complications in the long run. If they do decide it's full speed ahead, uh, we can only hope for the best. And like I said, I'm not part of the scene. I don't know what's going on. I hear what you guys hear. But I just don't want to see DeGrom suffer the rest of the year. Now, when we come back... Wait, when, when we got more stuff here. Let me Hold on. I got some more tidway winks and hoodats to throw at you. Here's some stats I wanted to throw at you before the break. Met starting pitchers over the last 30 days. 2.42 ERA. 30.2 K percentage. 6.3 walk percentage. 0.99 whip. 206 batting average against. Not too shabby. Now, the Mets have signed Connor Gray to a minor league contract. He had a 3.18 ERA and a 9.89 K per nine innings and six starts for the Independent League Chicago Dogs this year. And here's an interesting tidbit. The most extra base hits through 17 career games as a Met. Two-way tie for first between Pete Alonso and Greg Jeffries with 13. Richard Hidalgo third with 12 tied with Rico Bronia. And Billy McKinney, fifth, with 11. Uh, any other tidbits I could throw at you? Let me dig deep into the vaults here. Uh, we're going to discuss some things later on. Save that for later. Yeah. Save that for later. That's about it as far as like interesting statistical tidbits. So now we will take that break, I promised. And when we come back, we're going to do all the fun stuff, including our Met Trivity, Trivia and Jeopardy to start things off. So catch you on the flip side. Okay, we're back, and we're going to start you off with some Trivia and Met Jeopardy. How about that? Today's trivia question. Who was the first batter in Met franchise history? Once again, the trivia question is, who was the first batter in Met franchise history? Now today's Mets Jeopardy. Two clues. War number four is a Met. Second clue. Claimed by the Mets on waivers from the Chicago White Sox. On March 30th, 2005. Once again. The two clues are. War number four is a Met. And claimed by the Mets on waivers from the Chicago White Sox. On March 30th, 2005. We'll be back at the end of the podcast with the correct answers. So lock them in, and we'll check back later to see how you did. Okay, and now it's time to celebrate some Met birthdays. Four of them, to be exact. And we're going to start off with Dave Schneck, who was born on this date in 1949. He wore number three and number 16 with the Mets. He played with us in 72 through 74. 
74 was the year he had the most at-bats in games played. 93 games, 254 at-bats, batted 205 with five homers and 25 RBIs. I always liked Dave Schmidt. He was a player that I followed when I was really into the Mets in my turning tweens years. And I always remember being at Chase Stadium. And I think the year was 1973 in early May. It was a doubleheader, one of those cold Sunday afternoon doubleheaders that only a diehard would be at. But I was young and naive and didn't know any better. And he hit a foul ball into the upper reaches of the mezzanine. Now, if you recall the mezzanine, it had the over, upper deck overhang. Somehow this ball went up like 15 rows, two sections from the foul pole. I was amazed that he could hit a foul ball that far and still not, and still get under the covering. It was amazing. That's my own perspective, my own little personal Dave Schneck tale. I'm sure you have your own. Feel free to share them. Email me at philstan, P-H-I-L-S-T-A-N, 41 at gmail.com with that thought or any thoughts you may have on comment about this podcast. And if you want to, please, by all means, subscribe to this podcast with the carrier of your choice. We'd love to have you aboard as a regular subscriber. You'll get updated every time one of these podcasts is up and running. Now, Sandy Alomar was was born on this day in 1966 in Puerto Rico. Did you know he was the American League Rookie of the Year Award winner in 1990? Well, he ended up with the Mets in 2007. He had eight games played with 22 at-bats. And he was also a Met coach, a catching instructor from 2008 to 2009. He's the brother of Roberto Alamo and the son of Sandy Alamo. Happy, happy birthday, Sandy Alamo Jr. Also born on his day, Felix Radia from the Dominican Republic. He was born on this date in 1975. Played with in 2005. Pitched in three games, two and two-thirds innings. We actually got him from the Yankees on October 3rd, 2004. In exchange for Mike Stanton. Who remembers Mike with the Mets? And then Heredi just pitched a handful of games for us in 2005. Number 49, your scorecard, Felix Heredia. Who else is celebrating a birthday today? Why none other than Ben Johnson? He played nine games for the Mets in 2007. War number four. He was traded with John Atkins to the Mets in exchange for Heath Bell and Royce Ring on November 15, 2006. And he played left field and right field in his brief stay with the Mets. Happy birthday, Ben. Now on this date, we lost Billy Connors. Uh, he died at the age of 67 in 2018 on this date. He was with the Mets, pitched in 15 games over a two-year period. Uh, one start only, and his ERA with the Mets was 7.67. We lost Billy Connors on this day. May he rest in peace. Now we're going to go back and look at a game on this date in Met history. You guys love this. I know so. You're telling me that. And we're going to visit the doctor. We're going to visit the doctor. 1989. Remember when Doc came up in 84? Well, it took him to this date, and it didn't take long to win his 100th game. Now, the crowd was pumped up. They knew Doc was going for number 100. And on this day... Davy Johnson's second-place Mets were only one-and-a-half games behind the division-leading Chicago Cubs. 
Their opponent was Buck Rogers, third place Montreal Expos, just a half game behind the Mets. The Expos starting pitcher was Kevin Gross, and a good crowd of 40,064 came out to shave for the event. Starting lineup for the Mets was Juan Samuel, batting leadoff, playing center field. Dave Madden, batting second, playing first base. Howard Johnson, batting third, playing third. Dow Strawberry, batting cleanup, playing right field. Kevin Browns, batting fifth, playing left field. Greg Jeffries, batting sixth, playing second base. Barry Lyons, batting seventh and catching. Kevin Elster, batting eighth and playing short. And Dwight Gooden, pitching and batting ninth. Now, Gooden wasn't perfect this evening. He allowed a first-inning home run to Andres Galarraga, but the Mets came back quickly as Hojo hit a two-run homer, his 17th of the year in the bottom of the first inning. Now, in the second inning, Dave Magnin drew a walk. Then Hojo homered again, number 18 for him, his second two-run shot of the game, making a four-run. Four to one, Hojo's numbers were among the league's best sluggers. In the fourth inning, Magadan drove in Juan Samuel with a base hit for a 5-1 Mets lead. In the top of the sixth, the Expos put up two runs as center field Dave Martinez doubled to score Spike Owen. Then a good and wild pitch eventually scored Martinez, cutting it to a 5-3 Mets lead. Now, Gooden won seven innings, striking out nine Expos. He got three runs on five hits while walking two. It was enough for 23-year-old Dwight Gooden to earn his 100th win. Rick Aguilera came in relief for the eighth inning for two perfect innings, earning his sixth save. The win put Gooden at 9-2 on the year with a 2.56 ERA among the league's best, so Gooden was having a good year in 89. Now, unfortunately for the Mets, Gooden wouldn't win another game for the rest of the year. A shoulder injury shut him down at the start of July, and he would not return until September, finishing up 9-4. and four. Tough, tough break for Doc. Hojo would enjoy a great season, hitting 36 homers with 101 RBIs and 41 doubles, while leading the run, league in run scored with 104. Now, the Mets in 89 missed the playoffs, coming in second place, six games behind the Chicago Cubs. And that's the day we're gonna, game we're going to talk about on this day in Met history. Hope you enjoyed it. Okay, now you know what we're going to do. We're going to talk about what's going on in the greatest Met Facebook group ever. New York Mets baseball, a way of life. One of the questions I posed the other day was, should the Mets have the have the Grom skip starts till they are 100% certain he is healthy? Well, 88% of you said yes. Joey Buckholtz even came in and said, I like Ronnie's idea tonight, meaning when he answered this, a six-man rotation, or skipping the Grom every fourth start. That sounds good. But if I'm not mistaken, I think the Grom is not a favor of pitching every six days, so this could be a case of the Grom getting what the Grom wants. But we shall see. Good idea, though. Then I asked, when I say Calvin Sherardi, what is the first thing that pops into your head? Jason Lynch just said game six. And right there, he didn't need to say anymore. Sir Eileen Warner, 86 series, game six. Yeah, you guys are on top of things. I love it when you come back with these great comments all the time. It really means a lot to me. Uh, and again, always feel free to participate. Like I mentioned also the when Willie Randolph was fired, uh, 
it was a victory against the Angels in the first game of a road trip and uh, was not done pretty. And Michael Sheik said, not fair, not Willie's fault. I don't even know how the Mets made their run in 2006 to Game 7 of the NLCF. Pedro, Orlando Hurt, down to a pitching staff at Glavin, made tracks on Ali Perez. Willie worked miracles to even get the Mets that far. Michael Sheik also posted, the ground needs to be shut down. He needs to play it after the All-Star game. That could very well happen, but it doesn't look that way. We'll see what happens there. Oh, you know what I meant to do also? Tell you what was going on in this date in Met history, too. We have, besides just that game we talked about, Dwight Gooden's 100th win, we had a lot of good stuff, as I like to say, happening on this date. 2013, this was a big day of ups. Spotlight for the future. Bright stars shining. Mets got a pair of outstanding performances from young pitchers and sweeping a doubleheader from the Braves. The opener's second-year man, Matt Harvey, 24, takes a no-hitter into the seventh inning and strikes out 13 on his way to a 4-3 win. The nightcap, rookie Zach Wheeler making his highly anticipated Major League debut, which is six shutout innings and strike out, strikes out seven as the Mets win again 2-1. Now on this date in 2012... R.A. Dickey. Remember R.A.? Good guy. Really good guy. He threw his second save of one hitter beating the Orioles 5-0. He was the first pitcher to do so since Dave Steve in 1988 and the first in the National League since Jim Tobin in 1944. The Mets knuckle has not allowed to earn run in his last five starts. Wilson Benamit gets the only hit against him with a fifth inning single. Some of the good stuff that's happened on this day in Met history. In 2004, Hall of Fame catchers Carl Fish, Johnny Best, Gary Carter, and Yogi Berra, what a crew, took part in a pregame ceremony under Mike Piazza for hitting the most home runs as a catcher in baseball history. The Met backstop established a new mark, breaking Carl Fish's record with his 352nd home run on May 5th. Good stuff. And then on June 18th in 2018, Brandon Nimmo, we need him back in the lineup, don't we? He goes four for six with two home runs, including a leadoff inside the park homer. The ground pitches eight innings and allows one earned run to lower his ERA to 1.51 on the season. And that wraps up our stuff on this day and what's going on in the group. So now we need to focus our attention in D.C. We go to the nation's capital for a big four-game series against the Nats. Starts off tonight with a 7.05 game. They'll be on SNY. You want to listen to the radio? It's on WCBS 880 on your radio dial. Joey Lucchese goes on the mound, number 47. He's 1-4 with a 5.18 ERA, 36 strikeouts. And despite Lucchese's recent success of 1.56 ERA over his last four starts, the Mets still aren't letting him face opposing batters more than twice. Perhaps that'll change after he said season highs with five innings and 72 pitches the last time out. Eric Fred, Fed goes for the Nationals today. Number 23, 4-4, 3.86 ERA, 43 Ks, and he's not allowed a run in his last two starts Totaling 12 innings, is 0-2 with a 5.23 ERA, 9 appearances, and 4 starts against the Mets. So, good game it looks like. Nation's capital. Tune in. 
and watch it, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. Once again, thanks for all your support. You guys rock it. Both in the group and listen to these podcasts, you mean so much to me. Now, let's go, Mets. Enjoy the weekend, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.